Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It is championship week in college football. It is also Coachapalooza. There is so much crazy stuff happening right now. We didn't even get to cover all of it in this show, but uh, I think the craziness is going to be in endless supply uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all the hirings and firings taking place, and we're going to give our thoughts on the SEC championship, the ACC championship, the Pac-12 championship, maybe. Anyway, this is a good episode. We do have a technical error, which you will hear later in the show. But uh, yeah, it turned out well, I think. Uh, Yeah, we hope you enjoy this episode. And we hope it hits your bloodstream before the Georgia Bulldogs hit the field against the Alabama Crimson Tide. All right, so here it is. This is Let Them Eat Takes. Welcome to Let the Meat Takes, sports podcast for the Outrage Era. I am Jonathan. Here with Scott and Justin. Bonjour. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, and like Jim Rome, this is what we're burning on. Do y'all remember Jim Rome? Oh gosh, I remember him being relevant ten years ago. He was—he's the worst. Would you say he was a predecessor to a Clay Travis, if you will? Oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, dang y'all! I forgot the Pac-12 championship game. It's Friday. Oh no, they moved it. It's not right down the road for me. Oh, never mind. Where where was it going to be? It, it used to always be in the Forty Nine er Stadium, and uh, they moved it to Las Vegas. But when it's at the Forty Nine er Stadium, I can go and you can get tickets like for free. It didn't matter. It was so easy. But uh, <laughs> wow, I, what a the last time, lift. The last time I went, it was Stanford and USC were playing in it. And you could just get the tickets for free from like random people. Stanford, <laughs> who's like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes from the stadium, and USC, who's like a one-hour flight and in the same state. Did they open and, the yeah. open the doors in the second quarter and be like, "Hey, just come on in and watch"? No, but they had like portions of the stadium, like seats, like blocked off, right? Yeah. Where they're like covered with tarps because they're like, "Oh, well, ain't, ain't no way we're selling this out." So just tarp over like half the seats before we even get started. But See, they, I moved it, they moved it to Las Vegas now. I forgot about that. So it could be closer to the gambling addicts, the real people who pay attention to Pac-12 football. That is accurate. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think they did it so it could be like a a destination thing where people could like fly out and go to the game and do Vegas for the weekend. So it's like a whole thing, right? Instead of yeah. That's a great. That's great logic. I've heard of people. Uh, planning destination weddings just to reduce the number of guests that will be there. Usually you see that for like a second or third marriage. <laughs> just being honest. So that uncle who's not really your uncle doesn't show up. <laughs> exactly. Start asking like, oh, you should, come, you should come visit. Or wait, I can come visit you. Here, let me give you my, my business card. So, wait, hold on. Are you, are you low-key talking about uh, Clay Helton or Ed Orgeron? <laughs> I guess it could work for both. I'll tell you what's it, funny it about it. It could be like the, the nice uncle who's kind of weird, or it could be like 
the weird uncle who's just like kind of weird. All right, I don't I don't know that much about Clay Hilton. You're gonna have to tell me which one's the weird uncle. Well, Clay the Hilton is like is the the nice uncle who it might be kind of weird in, in that he didn't care that much about football compared to other coaches. I think, but apparently a nice person. And then Ed Orgeron is the the one that's just weird and oh. like sketchy. That's true. When I read the athletic article about Ordron and all of his antics, oof. Yeah. That that man probably should have been fired yesterday. <laughs> so there have been a lot of coaching shuffling and movings. And I don't know. Which do you feels like a lot of them feel like, yeah, they're fine. Which do you feels like uh is gonna probably be kinda not great, or it's like a serious, like, I don't know about this one. Do any of them? I think it's too early to tell. Um, I, I think a lot of it's too early to tell. I mean, some of them haven't even been filled, right? And so some of the sketchy ones might happen later, right? Like, let's say, let's say Oklahoma fills theirs with some other head coach. Right, pretty late in the cycle. Like, let's say they wanted to go with Hypel at Tennessee or something. I don't know if they do, but whatever. And then Tennessee's like, oh no, time to scramble, get another coach. And then another, like, you know, Tennessee clown car coach search ensues. You know, you could have that, but uh, so far they've been all pretty on fire. Yeah, so far they've all been pretty solid hires. Whether or not they work out has a lot to do with other circumstances and how invested the school is in winning, right? Not so much, maybe just the coach, I think. What do you think about Justin? What do you think about a Billy Napier coaching move for Florida? Florida, who I feel like their fans, probably rightly so, even though I hate Florida, have these very high expectations for their program. But, uh, Past couple coaches haven't exactly had them where they think they ought to be, and then you hire a guy who comes from like a uh, smaller school. So I don't I'll know. I'll give it a B rating, and it's definitely one of those too early to tell. But um, to me, when I, when I first heard the news, it definitely felt like oh, they're not swinging for the fences on this hire because they knew there's a bigger names out there. But uh, maybe that's a credit to Florida's AD for maybe knowing, like, hey, um, you're probably not going to get someone like Brian Kelly or Lincoln Riley, so maybe we should try to get maybe the next best option And at that group of five level. He's definitely, like, someone whose name's been tossed around for a while. But uh, the real question, you know, I'm sure Scott would like to, we'll elaborate on this point later on in our discussion, but Billy Napier was in a place where it was easy to get good talent, and get, you know, Louisiana might be one of the better jobs in group of five college football. Right. So it it's, you know, what's it going to be like in Florida? They have well, a lot Florida, of... Florida is an easy place to get talent too, right? True. That's part of why Dan Mullen got fired, because he wasn't getting talent somewhere where it's very easy to get talent. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the state of Florida has a lot of, a lot of football players and 
you're coaching for a brand name program in the SEC, which means you should be able to go to other states and get people too, right? So like when when teams are really humming in recruiting, right? Like Georgia and Alabama recruit a lot in the Southeast and also recruit elsewhere. LSU is kind of the only place where you can just be like, yeah, we're just going to recruit our state and win national championships. That's the only state where that works. It really uh, is true. Like, that and, and maybe California, right? So I guess in yeah. some ways, the USC and LSU job are the only two states where you could just like recruit your backyard nowhere else and win national titles. Is that part of why Southern Cal hasn't been good lately? Is their recruiting has sucked? Or did they just have like... Didn't they have like didn't they go through some like two ADs very quickly? Yeah, they had some major issues with hiring people at AD who just like straight up were not ADs. But it was like they hired Lynn Swan at one point, the former USC wide receiver, Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver. They just were kind of like, oh, just hire a USC person in every position. Ah. And it's like, hey guys, this is not working. So they got like incestuous inbred football program going on. Their recruiting under Clay Hilton was sometimes okay and sometimes terrible. The times it was terrible is usually because people kind of thought he's on the hot seat, right? But a big part of it is like their recruiting was okay maybe, but they were still missing out on like the big time players, right? Like they were getting guys that were maybe okay recruits, but they were their second option because Oregon was getting big time players from California or like Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state were coming out West and getting players from California. So like, you know, they might have gotten a, a quarterback who's a pretty good recruit and a pretty good player, but the quarterback at Alabama and at Ohio State and at Georgia and at, you know, just go down the list of schools of all these places that have California quarterbacks that might have been higher choices. Right, 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 right. As far as Napier at Florida, I think it's a pretty good hire. How successful he is will depend a lot on, will depend a lot on like, you know, what, what staff he's able to get come with him, which is always the case for like every hire, right? And it will depend a lot on how committed Florida is to winning and how patient they are to let him be there, right? If he's there for like three years and they're mad because he's lost some games to Georgia and hasn't won a national title yet, well, that's tough, right? You can do an okay job coaching and not win a national title in your first three years. <laughs> so, like, if that's their standard, it has to be immediate. Uh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it's probably not looking great. But he, he's a former, like, you know, Alabama coach. Like, he coached with Saban, and he, you know, it, it's going to be a similar type thing where it's, like, the same way that Saban and Kirby and Mel Tucker and those guys want to like recruit and build a program and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes you get Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Napier, I think, is a former quarterback, so he has a little more of an offensive background. 
So, I mean, Florida hopes that he is their offensive analog to Kirby Smart. That's what they want him to be. Gotcha. Gotcha. And there's a there's a chance that it could go that well. He he's been at Louisiana for a while. He was there a year or two longer than he had to be because he was waiting to pick a job he really wanted. I think he wanted the LSU job, and LSU didn't want him because they're like weirdos, and their fans are like, we don't want somebody hired from Louisiana because that's like the poor school. We don't, we don't want their leftovers, but. <laughs> They got some I mean, standards in Baton Rouge. Oh yeah, it's kind of dumb. But a different strain of voodoo magic than we do. We can't have them crisscrossing our paths. But their their weirdo approach to not wanting him because he already coached in state or something um, worked out okay because their AD his like track record is not to hire like young coaches. His track record is to like hire veteran proven coaches and just be like. Whatever they're paying you now, we'll double it. Like that's how he does his coach search. It's just like look at a guy that we already know is good and just pay him twice as much. Which Full is what they right? did with Brian Kelly. So I mean that's it, excellent. It's it's a pretty safe way of doing business, right? Like they safe. hired Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is not gonna be a terrible coach at LSU. No, he's not. Right? So it's a very safe hire. The question, of course, is will he win the national title? Because that's why he's making the move, and that's what LSU's hiring him to do, right? And boy, howdy, did he make the move, and he made it quickly, because that was one of the funniest things, was some player, like, screenshot the text that he sent to the team, posted it online for everyone to see, and I don't know. I mean, I can't think of, like, I mean, is there really, like, a great way to tell your team that you're out? I feel like they're probably, it's like breaking up with your your girlfriend or boyfriend, I feel like, especially when your team is still kind of in the hunt to be in a college football exactly. playoff. That's the part yes. that's so weird because there's <laughs> not a. I mean, it's a little unlikely, but it's definitely plausible scenario where Notre Dame makes the college football playoff. And I was listening. I forget who it was. I think it was Cover Three. They were talking about how yeah. like maybe the the committee will look at Brian Kelly leaving as like their second loss. Yeah. <laughs> Or something like that, because they only have one loss. And it might actually hurt their chances. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. That was my thought looking into it. Because, like, well, they're either going to have, like, if chaos ensues and they do get a bid in the playoff, they're either going to have to roll with an interim coach. Or the committee's going to look at that possibility and say, eh, whatever. We'll just leave them out. They'll, they're a bye week anyway. The, first the committee has, has always said that they will take, like, player absences into account and stuff like that usually that's sort of from like the standpoint of like hey we know this team lost one game but their quarterback was out so like we're only going to kind of halfway hold it against them that kind of stuff sure it does sort of leave the door open for them to be like well we think that this team has a pretty good record but we're worried that it won't be entertaining or a good storyline if they're in the playoffs so We'll just say, oh, they got players hurt. We don't think they're good, that good anymore. That door was kind of always left open. What if, well, in the meeting, that... what if in the meeting it's like significantly less ratings because we're not going to be, there's not a chance to see Brian Kelly choke out his quarterback on national TV, which to be <laughs> fair, he hasn't done in a while, but it's always in the cards. It's about having some executions. 
<laughs> yes. Talk about having some. I got some bad. I got some bad news for uh, for Brian Kelly. Um, I know that Louisiana's in the deep south, and uh, there was a whole season of True Detective, the only great one probably that was dedicated to how buck wild insane Louisiana is. Uh, Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, has not executed a single person since 2010. So you're gonna have to find that somewhere else. <laughs> Oh God! Hey, but here's here's the thing though. At least Brian Kelly turns the exact right shade of purple, so he's already dressed for Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's throw a yellow shirt on him. He's good to go. Yeah, he's got purple ready to rock. Gosh, that's so weird. It's just so weird. Yeah, I uh, I haven't checked the Notre Dame fan base to see how they're doing. Um, <laughs> they maybe, probably not great. Yeah, I think they're kind of upset. Also, they'll probably just hire Luke Fickle, and then they'll be fine. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can make an argument that they will be upgrading at coach when they get Luke Fickle. You can make yeah. that argument. I, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but, like, honestly, it... Well, he's younger, and he's got a chip on his shoulder still. You know, that might that might play out very well in South Bend. Yeah, so... And they'll probably hire him. Like, that's just probably going to happen. What will happen if they hire him before Cincinnati finishes its season? The thing is, I don't think that will happen because I think he'll stick around at Cincinnati. As he prob- as he definitely should. He He should. And I think... I mean, I think Cincinnati making the playoff will be, like, such a big moment for Cincinnati that you kind of have to stick around for that, right? Oh man, I'll tell you what fan base is not handling its coach leaving very well. <laughs> it's Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Holy shit. Down the plane. Oh man, I'm just looking at the message board geniuses. This is the guy that just comes through like 24 7 fan accounts. Oh man, here's a good take. The biggest consequence of Riley's departure will be an increase in pregnancies in Oklahoma. The most popular brand of condom is Trojan, right? Sooner fans will unite in an unspoken boycott of Trojans. And well, the rest should be self explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, Oklahoma is the one that's really hurting from all this right like usc feels great lsu feels pretty good they i think they kind of maybe wanted lincoln riley as their yeah, first or second choice their first choice yeah oh well, and really jimbo they kind of wanted jimbo fisher too oh, yeah. right so i think they kind of wanted lincoln riley or jimbo fisher first but taking brian kelly from notre dame is a really 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 good like consolation prize hire right. um so like they're feeling pretty good, right? And Notre Dame, you know, they're probably upset with how it happened, but also they have some pretty clear choices to move on to next, right? Oklahoma doesn't. They don't have a a clear heir apparent hire the same way that uh, Notre Dame does. Yeah, word on the street is they're probably going to get some sort of D coordinator from like a big school. They might go with Venables that has been talked about because he's a former Oklahoma guy. He was DC there for a long time. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been interested in leaving. Clemson, by the way, he's at, yeah, he hasn't been interested in leaving Clemson. 
so far, and he's had options to take a head coaching job, but also he's not had options to take like a huge top five, top ten type coaching job, and he hasn't had an option to go back to a place he already likes and and worked at, right? So I think everybody had just sort of assumed that he was at Clemson for life, but for the Oklahoma job, that might not be the case, right? So we will see. But and they'll be hiring a guy that's not been a head coach if that's the case. So it, that is always a little risky, right? I don't understand what you just shared, Justin. Where did this come from? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I, I'm while you were talking, I was still looking at. Um, no, no, no. I, was... I, I totally get. I totally get what it is. I'm trying to figure out what the context is as far as like who created it. Is this something that was disseminated on campus? I think this is like one of those Stall Street Journal things, like you know, a print publication that people like tape up in the bathroom stalls to read while you're take care of business. And uh, it's basically just oh, talking. Oh, periodical. That makes sense. Yeah. Would you like me to read it? Yeah, sure. The poopy periodical is as follows, and I guess hangs at a stall while you're taking a leak or taking a deuce. There's a nice banner at the top that says, Brian Kelly killed a kid, and that's repeated three times. <laughs> uh, that's a true thing, by the way. Oh, wait, yeah. The, was it the guy in the tower? Yes. I'm they sorry. Had, this oh, was yeah. at, like, yeah, practice like 10 years ago or something, and they had a big crane tower set up somewhere to get like Wait. footage of practice. And the, I think it was the kid that was up in the tower. The tower like collapsed. And was this at Cincinnati when he was at Cincinnati? I thought it was at Notre Dame. I think it was at Notre Dame. I think it happened. Has he been there 10 years already? Jesus. He's all the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. He's been there that long. I didn't re- Man, it feels just like yesterday. I was seeing Charlie Weiss. Because, I'm reminded, because at the very top of the PPP article, there's a box that says, I miss Charlie Weiss. <laughs> All right, here we go. Disclaimer, in the last edition of the Poopy Periodical, when I said Luke Fickle would be the next Notre Dame coach, I did not mean one week later. This is some Benedict Arnold-type crap. <laughs> LSU, worst job in America. Coach O only would bring... Wait, <laughs> Coach O only would bring his girlfriends to practice and hit on LSU officials' as wives. Big deal. If you could pay Brian Kelly $15 million per bleacher, per, I love how he sources per bleacher report. This is in all caps and bullet, by the way. You could put up with some shenanigans by a national champion coach. Brian Kelly is going to fit in a Cajun culture real well. Dude screams Louisiana. He's going to turn up on Bourbon Street. Everyone knows the, the alignment among alumni. The president of the coaches at LSU is way better than a Notre Dame. Brian Kelly. Can't handle putting Tabasco on his eggs. Brian Kelly is a snake. <laughs> I love how it ends. Brian Kelly is a snake. <laughs> Look at the list of potential hires. Why? How in the hell is Urban Meyer number one on I your feel list? Like he's always linked to Notre Dame. Did he go? There? He's Catholic. Is that why? I think he's a. Did he? He might have gone to Notre Dame. He has always talked about the Notre Dame job as being sort of a dream job. Yes, I've heard that too. He either went there or he's Catholic. There's some connection. Whatever it means for him to be Catholic. Oh, he went to Cincinnati, but he is, I I guess, nominally Catholic or something. I love Hugh Freeze at six. There we go. Tyrone Willingham? Didn't Didn't he already coach there? That has to be a joke. 
Lou Holtz. <laughs> Lou Holtz is definitely a joke. Mike Golick Jr. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Reverend John Jenkins. And of Liz course, Miles. there's a big, big black and white photo of Brian Kelly screaming his face off. Probably like Tommy Reese. Shame they couldn't put that in color. True. <laughs> Go big purple. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. That's uh, well done. So um, we were talking we were talking about we were, we were still talking about Oklahoma before that got injected we were. in our veins. We yeah. Were. I saw Yeah, hey, question. Lincoln Riley has two dogs named Boomer and Sooner. So does he one continue to call them Boomer and Sooner? Two change their names, or three, have them put down. <laughs> will, will USC cover the charges of putting down those, those pooches? Uh, apparently not, because they did not actually buy his houses. I think that turns oh, that, out that was fake news. That felt too good to be true. You're talking about buy it, his house like in L.A.? Because I heard that he had a house in Norman that was on campus that they were going to keep and use for recruiting. <laughs> Oof, 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 oof. I was like, the dogs can stay at the Norman house, and he, when he comes back to recruit the area, they'll see his dogs. There are fans talking about, like, can we sue him? Because, you know, there's you know, people are speculating that he's already sent assistants that he wants to bring with him to USC to go on recruiting trips officially for Oklahoma, but really for USC. A lot of his recruiting, like, class... For this year, next year at Oklahoma, you had a lot of big time guys from California, like SoCal. So a lot of people are like, "Hey, wait a minute, was he already playing in this?" This is fishy. I will say, this was funny. He had like his intro uh, press conference, and apparently there was a line in it that said, "He's talking about USC." Obviously, he said, "This is going to be the mecca of college football," and then an Oklahoma D lineman, Isaiah Thomas on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram commented and said, yeah, he told us that last week. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Hey, I'm looking forward to the day where uh, you have players start transferring and they just do the same thing where they like send out a text to the coach of like a whatever, some messaging app where it's like a one-way thing and you can't respond, right? Because that was the message he sent out. It wasn't like uh, something they could respond to, right? It was just sort of like a statement. I guess it's not that different than people just announcing stuff via Twitter, but... Well... I, I they said they didn't to, go full Petrino and just didn't show I up. To, I was listening to podcasts and because of the transfer portal where people get that free transfer... It is like like a new consideration ADs have to make, like if they're going to either fire their coach or allow their coach to take another job, players might follow. And so it's, right. more, than just, it's more than just a coaching sitch. It's like, or a recruiting sitch. It's like, okay, it's coaching, recruiting, and I might lose five of my current best players. They'll just follow him. And so, I, don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's good or bad. I just think that's new reality. <laughs> Okay, so this is the part of the show where we had a technical problem. The recording kind of skipped up and stopped, so we missed some of the audio. I don't know why it happened. I hope it doesn't happen again. But basically, I'm going to read a tweet by Aaron Torres. Uh, Aaron Torres is a writer who covers college football and basketball for Fox Sports. 
and Scott is going to give his reaction to the tweet. So here's the tweet. Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma is a clear indication that he believes that Oklahoma cannot win at the highest levels of the SEC. Put simply, I don't believe he makes this move if OU stays in the Big 12. Talk about an all-time miscalculation by a school and program. All right, now I'm going to kick it to Scott, and let's hear what he has to say. So let's just say that you split evenly between Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Florida. Let's say they all get it together. Let's say all five of those teams have it together, and you can only win the conference an average of one in every five years. Right? Where he was in Oklahoma in the Big 12, all you worry about is Texas, who really, really doesn't have it together much, and didn't even... Yeah, and, and did it factor into who has it together in our SEC conversation? But for the sake of argument, let's just assume Texas got it together somehow in the Big 12. You still win every other year, right? And USC, you have maybe Oregon to worry about, and really maybe not, but you can still win the conference like every other year pretty easily and sustainably at USC if you're doing what you're supposed to. The same as you could at Oklahoma. You can cruise to 11-1. and one as the premier program. So what's gone is for him to be able to just show up, do a decent job and be 11 to one because in the sec, especially the expanded sec, you can do a pretty good job and be nine and three or 10 and two. You don't just get automatic 11 to one. So that's what he knows. Not that you can't win at the highest level. It's that you're not guaranteed to win at the highest level year in and year out. Also known as job security. Right, you go eleven and one every year, make the playoff like every year. You're gonna keep your job. Really... You get Sorry, a couple. I say you have a couple nine and three seasons in the SEC, and all of a sudden people start talking about hot seat. Have you lost the the pulse of the program? Are you backsliding? Is it time to move on? Blah blah blah. Right. So there's that one. What was the second oh, yeah. statement? Oh, it doesn't happen if they stay in the Big Twelve. That part's probably accurate, I would think. Yeah. There's also, you know, who knows about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, did Lincoln Riley know they were moving to the SEC before it got announced? Or were, like, ADs discussing it with football, with the head coaches, about whether they wanted to or not, right? So, if they talked about it and Lincoln Riley said, we should stay in the Big 12, and then the AD said, okay, cool, but we're leaving anyway, and then you maybe you have some bad blood, right? Or if it caught him off guard, then you have some, you know, issue with the coach-AD relationship. As far as it being a short-sighted move, it's a move about money. And last time I checked, the SEC is not docking Oklahoma's paycheck just because Lincoln Riley is not the head coach. So they're still getting exactly what they wanted. And there's still a big-time program that can hire a good coach. Yeah. So. Well- and he's thinking ahead to when there's going to be an expanded playoff, and he sees USC basically being in that playoff pretty much every year. So I actually think that there not being an expanded playoff yet is a big part of why he moved. If there was an expanded playoff, then you're fine at Oklahoma. Oh, really? If there's already a 12-team playoff in place, you feel like you can be a top 12 team every year, even in the SEC, right? Yeah, that's true, especially at Oklahoma. The, yeah, the problem is, can you be a top four team every year? It's like, ooh, that's tough. 
with USC, it's like, nah, it's just Oklahoma West. I can go be a top four team every year there, and the recruiting is closer and easier. I will but, say it is primed for catastrophe as well, because if he goes there and just doesn't deliver, ooh, it's going to be delicious. Yep. I mean, like, there's, there's skill players for days in California and stuff. Um, there's not as many big guys and linemen on the West Coast as other places. So there's enough for USC to just clean up and get all of them and probably have enough linemen. But if they don't, there's a scenario where they're big and flashy and put up huge numbers and then go to the playoff and get pushed just around. like Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> sort of, except for Oklahoma was good on the offensive line all the time. They were just bad on defense. So, like, it'll be a slightly different issue where Oklahoma never recruited well enough on defense, which, by the way, they have to recruit better on defense at USC if they want to have an elite defense. Um, And you always kind of knew that Oklahoma's defense was not good and would be a problem, right? At USC, they might have the athletes on defense, like the cornerbacks and the linebackers that are flashy and look good, and you might think, wow, this is like vintage Pete Carroll USC and then if they don't actually have it on the line of scrimmage they'll show up and and get smushed on but they always had offensive lines that were physical and could run the ball at Oklahoma he may or may not be taking the offensive line coach originally it was announced that he was and then later when he announced who was coming with him that guy wasn't listed but he needs to take the offensive line coach and the defensive coordinator those are the two Guys that are really needed in that move. Nice. I don't blame him. If I was Lincoln Riley, I would have probably made the same move too. It makes too much sense. I know everybody wants to be like, oh, we're scared of the SEC. And uh, whatever. Yeah, we'll say, but... It's going to be a lot more work to do that kind of recruiting when you're having to recruit against those teams. And USC? Yeah, and when you, you can't just... Well, no, I mean like Oklahoma and the SEC. We're like... Oklahoma was always going to be the talented or second most talented team in their conference, right? They were never having to worry about playing teams with more talent, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the case in the SEC because it's really crowded at the top. USC is a great program, too. I have to believe they're still really committed to being excellent. It seems like they just had a hard, they've had a hard time uh, recovering after. Peak, the after the end of the Pete Carroll era, but that's a it's got to be yeah, a top five them, program in the country, right? Them hiring Riley seems to say they're interested in winning and being committed, right? So if that's actually true, they're in good shape. If they think they can just hire a big name coach, pay him a lot of money, and then not do anything else, then they might, it'll show up later and they'll be in, in trouble, right? They think like, oh, we don't need to invest in facilities. We're USC and we paid for a big head coach, so we're done now. But that probably is not the case. Probably they're invested in winning. Um, Clay Helton, is, uh, he's gone to Georgia Southern, as you know, down in Statesboro. Uh, yep. Something that's been mildly amusing to me to monitor on Twitter is the number of Georgia Southern fans who are wishfully speculating that 
Clay Helton might reunite with JT Daniels down in Statesboro. I I put that, that would be a surprise. Yeah, that's I give that a less than one percent chance of actually happening. I mean, I think Daniels should transfer if I'm his friend, but I don't know if Georgia Southern is the destination. Should he though? I mean, he can try his hand at the draft, but I just don't know. No, nah, I definitely. Well, that's the thing. He might he might be the starting quarterback if he stays next year, right? He was supposed to be the starting quarterback this year. The only reason it wasn't is injury, but it it's hard to say, right? If I don't know, I feel like if Stetson comes back and he's going to because he's not an NFL quarterback, <laughs> I just don't see them. Well, what if he Daniels he, he, over Stetson? I mean, he could. I don't want to put bad juju on us, but he could win the championship this year and then decide eh, maybe I'm done with football. I don't know. Dude, Stetson or Daniels? Stetson. I don't know. I think he. I don't know. I just don't. I think he knows he's probably not going to play in the NFL. So it's like, I'm going to play as much as I can kind of thing. But I'm just speculating. Or, you know, this all could be like, like the, like the, like a super, this is my 4D chess. Like, uh, Kirby's just going to like unleash JT Daniels in the AC championship and playoffs. I don't know. I'll, uh, Alabama. Yeah, a lot of people have speculated upon that since October that that's yeah. that's been the plan. I don't think it is because I don't think. No, I don't. Either. I don't believe Kirby shenanigans is a real thing. I know Bama no, fans use that it's term a lot. It's I, just fun to bring up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I Who do knows? think there's going to be some Georgia quarterbacks transferring. Here's our uh, home of Georgia. Five minutes, Zach. Sorry, Zach. You'll forward. you'll have it at least a quarterback transfer, right? You could have one or you could have two, depending on what happens with Daniels and, and Bennett. It's hard to speculate because you don't even know if those guys are, if they're done playing football or not. <laughs> so, yeah. But, like, if, yeah, if... Uh... Let me ask you this, Scott. Let me ask you this. I heard this, and I don't know if I agree with it, but I heard it, and so I was going to present it to you. So there's this pattern now with Kirby where he will land big time NFL prospect quarterback. I disagree. Not, not quite, <laughs> but, but not quite play and not play him. Right. Okay. Disagree. So does that hurt his, uh, moving forward, his ability to recruit the big five-star NFL prototype quarterback? Cause he has a history of just actually playing the more game manager style, still talented, but not not quite your NFL prototype. No, because that one, he doesn't have that track record, and two, the track record shows that it hasn't affected anything. I'm just asking. I don't know if I believe it. No, I know. It's just a, a real common approach, right? Like Stetson Bennett is not like the very safe game managery guy, right? Stetson Bennett slings the ball to the other team a lot more than JT Daniels does. So trying to fit them neatly into the game manager versus the uber-talented guy is really trying to fit things into a binary because you have a strong belief already that you formed over Mm -hmm. a one-season scenario where you started the returning quarterback who led you, who was the quarterback for the whole season when you went to the national championship instead of starting a true freshman who just probably was not ready to play. 
So it's like it's it's really stretching things. That's true. That's true. No, I, I don't, mean, I don't think ha- I agree how's, with either. But how's how's Justin Fields doing this year as a first year NFL player? I'm sure he's killing it, right? I think he's doing great because he did say the hurt. game was really slow compared to Kyle. Yeah, he did said it was going to be slow. Um, his feelings might be hurt. I don't know. I don't. I think he was somewhere like five touchdowns to maybe ten interceptions this year. Is that good? Uh, not wait. He's never mind. He's four touchdowns to eight interceptions. Same ratio, but lower numbers. Uh, not great, Bob. But you know, the only rookie quarterback who's doing well in the NFL this year is Mac Jones, which we all had that. We all down their uh, prediction sheet, right? It's it's almost like rookie quarterbacks aren't ready to be good very often, and it's almost like true freshman quarterbacks aren't ready to be good very often. Sure. So this whole idea of Kirby picked from over fields, like Kirby picked twenty eighteen from over twenty eighteen fields. He did not pick twenty twenty from over twenty twenty fields. Fields was long gone at that point. Right? No, I totally agree. I yeah, I, no. I'm not talking and, about that. I and, just tell you what in I heard. the case. I know, I know. I I've just heard it a bunch too, and just I usually just roll my eyes. You know, that the reason that Stetson is still, the reason that Stetson is starting has a lot to do with JT Daniels being injured and like missing most of the season due to injury. True. And right? I don't have a problem with Stetson starting. I I think he's. I think we can win the national championship with Stetson. You know. I, I understand why people are like, oh, but Daniels' ceiling is higher. And I'm like, I get that, but he's also injured and hasn't had a lot of game time reps. And so you're not only is he injured, or maybe he's better now, but you're going to throw him in there. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. If he's, he's there, if you need him, like obviously, you know, sometimes people talk about Nick Saban throwing Tua Tagovailoa in the second half of the national championship. Yeah, why, why do you do that, Justin? Why do you do that? Because Jalen Hurts was sucking. Yeah, was it because they had zero points at halftime? Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. People talk about that like it's a stroke of genius. I think it was just No, throwing, it's not. It's just throwing shit to see what sticks, and it worked. Hey, you, you guys know one of the better stories about that season for Alabama is that the offensive coaches were begging Saban to let them play Tua for like the whole freaking year because they all thought he was better than... Jalen Hurts. They're begging him for like the entire year to play the other quarterback. That's how it goes. That's what I'm saying. That's how it goes at quarterback, right? You only get to play one guy because people decided that's how you do it or whatever. You'd have to be a total idiot like Steve Spurrier, who was never good at coaching, to do something like play two quarterbacks, right? Only an idiot would do it. So you only get to play one guy, so you only get to actually see how one guy looks in real games. You don't hit quarterbacks in practice, so you don't get to see how they handle pressure in the pocket. You don't really get to see their running ability. You only get to see it in games. And since everybody only wants to evaluate one quarterback and then just randomly guess about what your other quarterbacks are like, then you get some of this. It's a bit of a guessing game. Mm-hmm. Well. Are you saying, Scott, that Georgia should have implemented a two-quarterback system this year? It wouldn't have actually been a bad idea. I wasn't saying that, but, it, I mean, what, would what you have lost any games? 
Didn't no. Florida do pretty well that season where like Chris Leak was the quarterback and then Tebow would but come that, in every now and again? But that wasn't a two-quarterback system. Tebow just came yeah. in to run a few short yardage plays. Yeah. Like the fullback that he was. Yeah. Ah, classic God, fullback playing that. quarterback. Is that where you do the jump pass and they would just like all just collectively like, oh, the jump pass. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. Yeah. How many passes do you think Tim Tebow threw his freshman year? He played in all 14 games. Do the jump passes count Eight. on goal line? I guess so. Um, jump passes do count. How many his how many games did he play? He played in all 14 games. How many pass pass attempts? Uh, I would say 20. Yeah, 33. Man. Oh. And so you got to remember, they won the national title and blew a lot of teams out. So that includes all like the garbage time passes, right? Yeah, he got a lot so of garbage time passes, I'm sure. Yeah. He had 89 rushing attempts. He was just in there to run the ball. Yeah. Um, so to, I'm sure, I'm I'm sure Chris Leak had like 300 pass attempts, right? So 10 to 1, that's not a split passing thing. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, our, our little Georgia five minutes um two questions one is is uh the worst take of the week is it the uh the finalists for the Mackey award given uh, to the uh, top tight end in the nation that's pretty bad right that one's pretty rough especially when you're naming the finalists when there's like multiple weeks left in the season yeah why do they like i don't get it like the season's not even done like not I even like, they, and I'm not talking about how like you know some conferences don't have a conference championship. Like there's still like regular season not done. <laughs> yeah, when I look at the list of finalists, it tells me that they kind of made their minds up about this even sooner than, you know, because I look at like the names like Watermeyer and these other guys. Like these are guys that everyone talked about before the season started as being like first first SEC tight end or first, you know, All-American tight end. Like, Brock Bowers is probably going to be the first team SEC tight end this year. Weidermeyer is probably going to be, like, second team. But uh, Weidermeyer, I don't know, he had the better PR campaign. So well, Okay, so it's, if you're listening, you can't see the list. The three finalists are Jalen Weidermeyer from AM, 40 receptions, 514 yards, four touchdowns. Trey McBride from Colorado State, 91 receptions, quite a few, 1,100 yards, but only one touchdown. He got his Julio Jones season going on there. Thanks, and Daniel Bailey. Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, 58 receptions, 723 yards, five touchdowns. Brock Bowers from UGA, not a finalist, 37 receptions, 652 yards, 10 touchdowns. And, and a rushing touchdown. By- and a rushing touchdown, and he's leading by five yards in the yards per catch stat over all the others. Do you know who else got left off the list who's had a, a very good season as a tight end? Who's that? Is uh, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. 52 receptions, 816 yards, 10 touchdowns, an average of 15.7 yards per catch. Gosh, and he's not a finalist either? That's freaking awesome. I don't care if he plays for Coastal Carolina. This is a joke. This award's a joke. Get out of here with this award. Yeah, so no one should give a shit about the uh, Mackey Award. That's maybe the garbage take of the week. That is a garbage, garbage take. How about just like create, do your finalists at the end of the season? I, I just don't know. I don't know. This is all stupid. My other Georgia question is who you got this weekend in the SEC Championship? Yeah, Georgia by a little or Georgia by a lot? 
I'm going to say Georgia by a lot. I think they're going to come in and whoop that ass because they've been wanting to for quite some time, and now they actually can. I think Georgia's going to do what Georgia's done the past several times. They've played Alabama and start to look like they have a commanding lead, especially heading into half and maybe having some swagger in the third quarter. I think Bama's going to fight back hard. Like They're going to get some big plays to Mechie and uh, Jamison Williams. And I think it's going to look like Alabama's about to flip the game, but I think uh, Georgia's defense is going to take control near the end. So I'll take maybe dogs by just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> maybe a little bit more than a little bit. And we always, we always need to end, um, unless you have anything to add to that, Scott. No, I had Georgia by 10. Yeah, that's probably more reasonable pick. Um, I always want to, like, as we're winding down here, a little ACC corner, you know, for all our ACC fans. ACC championship is Pitt and Wake Forest. <laughs> and I was reading that they're ranked for, for all the marbles. Yeah, I, yeah, I was reading that they're ranked 15th and 16th, and they're like, yeah, we, we don't give a crap. The, the playoff committee is like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hey, you might have more people watching the Pac-12 championship this year. Wait, who's playing in it? Oregon. Utah and Oregon, right? Uh, is it Utah and Oregon? Yeah, Utah and Oregon. Rematch of that game where Utah pounded Oregon like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, I really loved the... Uh, all the stuff happening at Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech ended the season losing two games. Now I combined score of 100 to nothing, which is not great. They fired a bunch of people except the head coach. And the AD came out with a really long statement about... I'm trying to find the statement. It's too long. I'm not going to read it. But it was something like, oh, we're all really disappointed, but we're not going to fire the coach. And we're going to do better. We promise. Kind of statement. Uh, the short version is, uh, so we have a good volleyball program. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> he did end with that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. What? Um, but I, I really found, I found that Georgia Tech thing uh, like, hi, hilarious. It was pretty funny. Is basically a covert plea to the donors, like, "Hey, we don't like Jeff Collins, but like, we can't afford to can him now. So unless you actually want to start giving what a is, damn, and is this buyout really that high? Uh, no, but like Georgia Tech is that poor. Uh, well, they may not be poor, but they certainly don't. That's what that kind of money. Maybe okay. I'm sorry, Zach. I don't know much about your athletic. Well, program. my assumption is that they just don't want to spend that kind of money. I don't think they want to spend. I think that's just the real money. The way they a lot of these buyouts work too, because I know this is how it happened at Auburn. They basically pleaded with the big donors to give them money just to cover the buyout because they don't want to have to dip into their reserves, you know. Right. So that's that's another interesting situation is the one at Auburn. I know we were supposed to be talking about the ACC, but we talked about all these coaching changes earlier, or for most of most of today, and I just. It's really not that hard to like read between the lines at Auburn. I felt never really wanted Brian Harson, but they got Brian Harson, and they had kind of a whatever year and pretty much fired everyone around Brian Harson. 
Bobo out. The receivers coach is out. I don't know. Yeah, that was a that was a staff that actually looked pretty good, even though they didn't like, weren't that jazzed about Brian Harson. You brought Derek Mason to coach defense, and he's been a good defensive coordinator. He pretty good this year. Sands a a bad meltdown against Mississippi State. That's true. And, uh, there were some I, turnovers involved in that, though. And yeah, I watched. You know, the Iron Bowl. I thought their play calling did some Bobo things towards the end. We're like, oh gosh, why are we lining up? Did you have like a uh... Like PTSD. Like, oh. I had a little bit of Bobo PTSD, but <laughs> for the most part, Bobo's done a good job there because he, uh, you know, I think he made Bo Nix a better quarterback this year. But uh, yeah, the funny thing is, is that Auburn might not have to pay Brian Harson's buyout to get him out there if they really be want to be wanted done. Because the word on the that? street, word on the street is he has he still hasn't been vaccinated, and there's a uh, I think it's a I don't know if it's a state or a federal mandate for all the uh, state employees. And I can't imagine that being an Alabama state mandate. Yeah, I think there's a federal mandate for, uh, yeah. So if he doesn't get vaccinated by December, I want to say it's December 12th, he might have to resign as Auburn's head coach. And I'm sure when he, if that happens, all the Auburn fans slash AD would be like, oh no, please don't go. They'll be, they'll, uh, They'll be significantly less anti-vax if that happens. <laughs> it's like, well, you got to be vaccinated if you want to coach at Auburn. It's just, you know, that's what we do. That's we do it here. That's the way we do it here. I got my J&J. I like to give even folks in the South more credit. I've met a lot of folks that are not that anti-vax. No, no, no. I... And, have a, and have a deep Southern draw, <laughs> I will say. No, um, no, it's not. Uh, I think I saw the vaccination rate in the United States is now 70%, which is pretty good. Yeah. So we're not, it's, we're, we're not all a bunch of anti-medicine yahoos. So there's some really smart, thoughtful people who live down here. Um, well, is there anything else you want to, you want to burn, burn? I keep saying burn like I'm Jim Rome. Why? Why is that in my head this morning? Because be this is a sports podcast for the outrage era. When you're either, you know, putting out the dumpster flames or we're just admiring the beauty of it. I uh, think I feel, we'll leave you. I think we'll, I think a great way to end is we'll leave you with the peaceful, unifying words of the Oklahoma message board. I think that's what I'll do. I'll do like a nice reading for us. Oh, please do. Boomer Sooner. This is from Quaker Mayfield. Uh, I'm assuming all of these have to do with uh, Lincoln Riley leaving. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, fuck I'm... him. What a yellow <laughs> piece of shit. Bob handed him the keys to the kingdom and he does this. Guess he wanted no piece of the SEC. This is from Eat, Lead, Eat Lead or Eat Lead Commie. Eat lead, commie. That's what it is. If true, enjoy the pay cut after taxes, Lincoln. Also sure seems like he's running from a fight, doesn't it? This is from Supa Sooner, whose uh, profile picture is uh, some girl in a bikini with her ass hanging out. I'm guessing that's, uh, that's not this individual. <laughs> it's more aspirational than anything. <laughs> he wasn't going to win shit at OU, and this proves it. What a waste of a hire. 
like one game from national championship, waste of a hire. This is from Ike93. Better to cut bait with excuse me? Better to cut bait with F U L R Lincoln Riley. What's F U mean? I don't know. Better to cut bait with Lincoln Riley. He ain't did shit but bring in overhyped recruits. Overhyped. Baker Mayfield. Overhyped. Actually, I don't know if you recruited Baker Mayfield. Caleb Williams. Overhyped. Yeah. So much love and um, unity in that community right now. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> well, I think it's it for us, right? Scotty already left, so we should probably... Yeah, he, he had a crying toddler. He yeah. had to go. All right. Thanks for sticking with us, y'all. Thanks for uh, sticking with us, y'all. If you're a if you're a dog fan, uh, we we hope this was a, a unifying time to talk about our prospects and feels like the biggest game of the Kirby Smart era to date. But uh, yeah, can I end with a go dogs Homer cast moment? <laughs> I don't know, can you? Go dogs.